Well, this morning we are beginning a new series, and uh, we're talking about when pigs fly. Uh, have you ever had some impossible things happen in your life? Have you ever witnessed something impossible happen? As I was kind of thinking about this, this topic, one of the things that came to mind, um, have you ever seen the, the magicians, Penn and Teller, that's the, the two where you got the big guy and the little guy, and the big guy does all the talking, and the little guy does all, all the, the, you know, this kind of comedic shtick that goes back and forth between the two, but you know, it's kind of the, the, the verbal and then just the, the physical as far as the, the comedy that they do. And they did this one bit where they basically revealed the secret as to how the trick would work. And so the one they were kind of debunking was uh, it was cutting a lady in half, and so they would, they would kind of do it step by step and reveal how it was done. And they had this big giant saw, I think it was, that would come down, and they, they showed how it all played out. And kind of the, the trick to the trick was after they revealed how it was done, there was kind of this fake accident of, oh, it, it went haywire, and, and then it went off anyway and looked like it actually cut this woman in half. And, and so they well, how did they do that? And, and you know, so as a... There's a little kid inside you that wants to be like, oh, that was really, that really happened. How'd that happen? That was so cool. But then you know, we turn our brains back on and realize, okay, it's just a really good illusion. You know, it, it's, it seems like the impossible was done, okay, that there's a way to make that happen. But see, I think as we get to know our God, as we get to know uh, who he is and what he does, we see that, that this is right up his alley. The things that we would see as impossible, things that we would say, that's not going to happen. That can never happen. It, pigs will fly before that happens in my life. And so maybe it's things that we view as impossible or just extremely improbable or have, we've just waited for so long, we're at the verge of just giving up. I just, you know, I'm just done with that. So that's what we're talking about for the next four weeks in this series, When Pigs Fly. What are those things in our lives that we're just, we're, we're on the end of our rope, but we're just about to give up, we're, we're losing hope. We're wondering, God, can you really do this? Do you really care? Do you have an opinion on this? And so that's, that's where we're going here this morning. And um, I, I am convinced uh, that, that we each have things in our lives that, that we would desire to see done, but feel impossible. They feel impossible. You know, as we've just entered into 2015, uh, maybe you've set some goals to follow, uh, to make some changes in, in your life. And I think you know, that's something that can feel impossible sometimes. Especially when you look back over past years and you see that your resolutions and goals haven't changed because you haven't done anything with them. It's like, okay, I'm going on a decade of I've just rolled over the same resolution and hey, it makes it easy come this time where you already know what my goals are going to be, the same ones from last year that I didn't fulfill. But you know, on a serious note, maybe that begins to feel you know, hopeless. Will I ever you know, make these changes in my life? Will I ever uh, see some of these uh, things come to fruition? Maybe there's something you want, you know, you want to eat better, you want to work out harder, you want to uh, give up an addiction, or, you want know, to quit smoking, you want to quit drinking, or, or do less of either of those, or maybe you want to learn a, a new language or a new instrument, and you set some of these goals, but just never able to follow through. Maybe there are some addictions or bad habits in your life that you say, I just, I, I want to be done with it, I don't see it as any good whatsoever, it just continues to creep its way back into my life. It's just impossible to get rid of this, this habit in my life. Like a dog returning to its vomit, we return to these habits again and again and again, uh, this thing that is no good for us. Maybe there's some toxic relationships in your life. Like, oh, there could never be healing in this relationship. It could never be back to a place where there is a, a mutual love and respect and, and, and blessing being poured out, um, where that relationship is a blessing to others because of how God is growing and working in it. Maybe, maybe there's uh, other habitual sin in your life where uh, it's kind of like living with a tamed lion. Um, tamed being in air quotes because there's really no such thing as a tamed lion. It's just a, a lion who hasn't eaten you yet um, is what that would be. Who were those other Vegas guys that, that had 
You know, Sigmund and Freud? No. That, those are, wow. Roy, the guy with the lion. He'll teach me to go off my notes. <laughs> um, so maybe there's some things, you know, you have something that you, you allow in your life. You say, it's okay. This is, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm, I'm going to let it happen. And, and it becomes the family pet, and it's something that just seems commonplace, but it just hasn't bitten you yet, or hasn't bitten hard enough to where you want to do something about it. And it just seems impossible to get rid of that lion. Maybe you're desiring an answer to prayer. There's something that's been on your heart you just continue to bring before God. You get to this point where you're like, God, are you even listening? Is it something I'm doing? Do you just not like me? Or do you not hear my prayers? Is it something I'm doing wrong? Are you just a jerk? Are you not there? We, just, we don't know where to go with it when we have these prayers that we feel like, God, you're just not hearing this. Or what, what, where's the problem? Where's the breakdown? Maybe, there's, maybe you're in a place in your life where you understand that Jesus died for your sins. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And there's someone in your life that you desire that for as well. And you've been praying for them to, to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and to be a disciple of Jesus. You've been praying for them for years and decades and you just haven't seen it come to fruition. And you just wonder, God, is it ever going to happen? It seems impossible. It seems like pigs will fly before they come to faith. Maybe there's an answer or a reason for the trials in your life that you're seeking. You've gone through some hard times, either recently or in the past, that you just still, you, you know God's good, you know he's loving, but you still get hung up on the God of why. Will you answer my prayer? Is it so impossible to answer this prayer as to why you allow these things to go on in my life? Maybe you're just seeking a clear sense of direction. What do I do? Where do I go? You just went through a, a key part of your life. There was a, a you know, graduation or a, a change or a move. What's next, God? I think some of our things that we see in life that we say, you know, is this impossible? Maybe in the areas of physical healing. Maybe there's illness that's just been chronic in your life. And you just feel like there's never going to be a time where God is going to heal me of this. Or, or even just a sense of, okay, even if God doesn't heal me, I just want the strength to be able to endure this. It just feels like an impossible reality maybe for those who are uh don't have kids but desire kids maybe, maybe there's a uh, an inability to bear children and that's something you're desiring god is you know you're praying to him you know can, can you bless us with a child it just feels like this impossible thing that that was a part of uh, uh our story my wife and i sarah who did the, the announcements here uh just a moment ago and um just to kind of preempt where we're going with some of this i mean god is a god of the impossible uh, we went from not being able to have children because of a, of a tumor in my wife's head, and, and now we uh, have uh, two. Uh, we have two kids that we've already met, and uh, we're two thirds of the way into meeting the third one, and so uh, we're looking forward to that uh, here at the end of April. Um, you know, maybe you're at a place where you, you've read different things, or you've heard different things. Maybe you haven't, but you just don't feel like you're accepted by God. You just don't feel like you've been forgiven. Maybe even you've heard about you know, God's heart towards you. Like, I just, you know, will it ever be a reality? It's, it's impossible that I would ever feel accepted and loved by God. Or it just seems impossible that God would ever use me to do something great. Or it's just, it seems impossible that I would ever be able to get my life on track and live a life of obedience, of, of living for God. And I, I don't know which one of these resonates with you, maybe all, maybe none of them, but I think we all have something in our life that says, you know, it just, it feels impossible. It feels like we're, we're losing hope. Where do we go in our life? I've got good news for us here this morning, because there is hope that is found in God. He makes what seems impossible possible. And here's what I want you to get this morning. 
I'm kind of giving the whole sermon in one point right here. And so if you want to check out at any point, check out after this. Let's, just, let's all no, check in at this point. Let's pick up on this. And then, you know, free game. And I'll go on my, with my other two and a half, three hours of notes. Somebody like, is he, I hope he's kidding. Is he kidding? It's my first time here this morning. I hope he's, I'm not kidding. Maybe I am. Um, so Luke 1, 37. Uh, you can turn your Bibles if you want, because we're going we're to get to Luke and, and go through more of it, but we're going to uh, land on Luke one thirty-seven. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And, and as we understand that, and as we embrace that, and we respond to that by the way that we live our life, I think our hope is renewed in God. And, and it gives us hope for the, the next day, and just getting through the next day, and then the next day, to know, okay, with God, the impossible becomes possible. This is, this is a, a, a interesting verse, and as I've been kind of digging into it, the, uh, the translation is, is a tricky one. Um, you get the Greek there for a, a word is rima, and, and in this specific text, it actually translates as thing, and sometimes it can translate as, as a word or a saying, you know, something you would, you would speak, and, and um, so if you, you kind of take that and, and some other little, little nuances within the text, uh, another way kind of help you understand uh, the depth of this verse. So this isn't like a correction, like here's really what it should say. This is another way to, to kind of view this, to understand the depth of this statement when we say, for nothing will be impossible with God. We can also think of it this way. No word of God shall be void of power. No word of God shall be void of power. Once we, we think about nothing will be impossible with God, Think about creation. If you're familiar with, with uh, the, the story of creation that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we say God speaks and things are done. God speaks things into existence. There's power in his word. Creation is done through his speaking things into place, into being. No word of God shall be void of power because for nothing will be impossible with God. We see a, a similar theme here in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. I love this verse. Uh, starting in verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So imagine the same way that the rain doesn't return back to the clouds before it's watered the ground, nourished the soil, and, and, and you see plant life and life springing forth from the result of, of the rain coming down. That's like the Word of God. When the Word of God is spoken, it does not return void. It is not powerless. It's not something that just falls to the wayside. But God's purposes will be done, will be accomplished at His speaking, at His Word. We can think of it this way. God can do what he says he'll do. He has the power, he has the ability to do what he says he will do. For some of us this morning, maybe it's just a reminder to hear that again. Maybe we know that and we just, we've forgotten that as we think about what feels impossible in our life. Maybe it's just good to hear again that God can do what he says he'll do. And it goes a step further. We fully understand that nothing is impossible with God. That God will do what he says he'll do. And so if there's something that God has spoken on already, we can, be faith, we, we can trust that God is a faithful God and that he will do what he said he will do. 
Well, this weekend, one of the things uh, that happened in our home was kind of the, the putting away of the final Christmas decorations. We, we took everything down. Uh, my dad made these little Santa things that uh, we had out in the front yard. You dig the, that out of the snow and put that in the garage. And uh, all the last little things kind of got put away. And um, not so much today, a little bit still, but we had this kind of uh, warmer, balmy weather. And um, a little side note to that, as we go through this warming and cooling and freezing and thawing, for those that call Meadowland home, you know this story, um, that we have one of the best parking lots in town. It is. I mean, who, who can just go, through, it's a dirt track some seasons, it's a, it's a mud bog other seasons, and so if you've got a 4x4, four four, you love our, our parking lot. And um, if you ever get stuck, don't worry, I have two, so it's fun. Um, uh, not trying to scare you, but for those who call Meadowland home, just uh, I would invite you, especially on, on days where that thaw is coming in, let's take the back parking spots and really leave those front parking spots uh, for our guests and, and, and for anyone uh, that calls Meadowland home who, who needs a closer spot because of a, a physical ailment or, or uh, they have seven different kids hanging off of them, which isn't a physical ailment. I'm not linking those together, <laughs> but just could be uh, a major task. Man, stick to your notes, Steve. <laughs> um, but just so as we kind of come into that season with that potential for things thawing and freezing, um, we do understand that. But the exciting thing is we are taking steps forward uh, with, with Unleash the Vision as soon as uh, it's a uh, fundraiser we've been a part of over the past couple of years. So we have funds put aside. As soon as the ground thaws, we're going to be doing some more stuff, some water lines and some septic fields, things that you won't necessarily see once they're done, but they uh, give us a springboard to take that next step to maybe put in a gravel and, and paved lot in the days ahead and, and uh, moving forward in that. So, But... So, here's the things we need to see in the midst of all this. Uh, winter is not done yet. You know, it's not quite done. It's still coming. And, and there's still other things that, that are going to happen with winter. And just because I've put away all of our Christmas decorations, it doesn't mean it's the end of the Christmas story. It doesn't mean that we just say, okay, that was fun. We celebrate Christmas. Now we forget about that. So, this morning, we're actually going to dig into the Christmas story a little bit here. And we're going to uh, investigate, uncover a little bit what happened before we get to the, the Christmas story. What happened before we get to the road to Bethlehem where Mary and Joseph were going to have uh, baby Jesus? Because see, Mary sees firsthand God making the impossible possible. She sees that and lives that and experiences that firsthand. And that's what we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 1. And we're, we want to see what can we glean from Mary's story uh, as we desire to see God do what feels or what seems impossible in our lives. Well, what encouragement can we draw from how God interacts uh, with his people here, specifically with Mary? So if you want to use the Bibles in front of you, you can turn to page 855. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you need a Bible, take one of those Bibles. If you need three Bibles, take three. It doesn't matter. Uh, we want to see the Word of God in people's hands. If you want to turn on your Bible, that's encouraged as well. Uh, and go digital is, is fine. Um, but Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be. And uh, to kind of set up what's happened in Mary's life, um, Mary is months away uh, from getting married to her, her groom, uh, to Joseph. Uh, she's probably already got the bridesmaid selected and, and picked out the dresses and, and the shoes and the flowers and the cake designer and um, you know, kosher, of course. I mean, he's going through all that. And uh, she's probably got, you know, looking for a, the, the right DJ you know, to play at the, the, the party and you know, supplier of food and, and wine for the reception. So she's, she's probably got some of this stuff on, on the mind. I know I'm kind of putting it into our, our context a little bit, but um, she, she's got you know, a lot on her mind as far as she's at a big transitional point of her life. At that point in her life, this young girl, in a transitional point of her life, um, here, here's what happens in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was na whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. As we see how Mary responds, we can understand this is probably not a common experience for her to have an angel pop up in her house and be like, hey, how's it going, Mary? Got a message from God for you. I mean, she kind of freaks out a little bit at the sight of Gabriel, this, this, uh, this angel, this heavenly being. And Gabriel basically says, hey, I come on behalf of God, and I got a message for you. You're going to conceive a son. And you got to wonder, at what point did it really begin to sink in what Gabriel was saying? Like, oh, yeah, I'm getting married to Joseph. You know, sure, cool, good to know we're going to have a son. No, no, hang on, L- Listen. You'll have a son. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll conceive and give birth to a son before you and Joseph ever become you and Joseph. That, that, that's what's going to happen here, Mary. Well, how, how would you respond to that? Man, what, just, that would throw me off. How, how does Mary respond? Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? So I, I, I don't get how that, how is this going to work out? This, that is impossible, in essence, she's saying. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Mary responds much like you and I probably would, saying that's impossible. I know I would definitely respond that way if an angel appeared to me and said that you will bear a son. That's impossible. And like Mary, I'd have some questions. How, how? You know, what do you mean I'm going to have a son? I'm, I'm, I'm still a virgin, she says. How do you suppose this is going to happen? And it's interesting, Gabriel's answer is, uh, is truly no answer to Mary's question. Because Mary's question is kind of, give me the details of this. How is this going to happen? And Gabriel simply says, well, God's going to do what he says he's going to do. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be a child. Doesn't give more, any more details than that. God's going to make the impossible possible. God will do what he says he's going to do. There's still more impossible that becomes possible in this story here. Uh, as Gabriel continues, in Luke, 30, Luke chapter 1, verse 36 says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And so he says, hey, you know, let me show you some other stuff that God's doing here. Here you got your, your relative, your cousin Elizabeth, and, and, you know, she's older in years, she's believed to be barren, and you know what? She's right now uh, six months pregnant with a son. And we, we find out that that uh, ends up being John the Baptist who, who paves the way uh, for Jesus to come and, and with his message. For nothing is impossible with God. See, God can and will do what he says he will do. He makes the impossible possible and there's many other passages of scripture we're going to go through them uh, a bunch of them in the, the weeks ahead that that reveal god's ability to do all things but the question we're going to face each week is do i believe the power of the word of god do i do i believe that god can do what he says he'll do do i believe that god will do what he says he will do and what's interesting is once we answer that question the question doesn't end because life doesn't end. We keep on going. I think the next day, we're faced with the same question. Do I believe the power of the Word of God? 
Do I believe God can do what he says he will do? Do I believe he will do what he says he will do? And so whatever struggle you have right now that you're going through that feels impossible, seems like I just can't overcome this hurdle, this challenge, this obstacle. I just can't get past this, this feeling of rejection or this feeling of abandonment. I just can't work through these, hurt, uh, these feelings of hurt that I've had through these different experiences or whatever it is. We've got this relationship that's broken. I'm not sure how to fix it. And we begin to look at God's word to see, what, okay, God, what would you say to this specific aspect of my life? And as we uncover some of that, then we get to this point of, okay, well, do I believe that God's faithful when his word says he's faithful? Do I believe he's all-powerful? Do I believe that he, he knows what I'm going through and understands? Do I believe that he works all, all things for the good of those who love him? Do I believe he's got a plan for my life? And each morning we have to re-answer that question. Each time we're faced with what seems to be impossible, each time that our hope is potentially robbed, we have to answer that question. Do we believe God can and do, or can and will do what he says he'll do? Well, the best place to start as we think about this question, as we really come to this place, do I believe it? Is that to look at what God has already done. It's to remember the things that we can see where he's already shown to be a faithful God, where he said, here's what I'm going to do, and boom, we see he does it. And we can look back, and, and uh, a quick tangent here. Um, if you struggle, you know, we're going to look at just some different uh, examples from, from Scripture. And maybe you're sitting there saying, you know, I, I'm not even sure if I buy this book, the Bible. I mean, can we really trust this? I mean, there's so many different translations. I mean, is this thing even accurate? Well, short answer, yes. It, it is uh, unparalleled um, compared to other books from antiquity, other books from history. It's unparalleled in both the quantity of manuscripts we have that lead us to, to know that this is what was truly written, and in the quality of those manuscripts. It's unparalleled. And so we can trust that, yes, this is what the authors had written. And yes, it, it's a book of books. There's many books, and, and each, as you break down each one, some we have more, uh, a back, more supporting documentation than others, but as a whole, it, uh, it is unparalleled. So you say, okay, but I've, I've heard the Bible has uh, uh, inconsistencies. You know, it has contradictions. As you look through all those different transcripts, yes, you do get little typos here and there, and, and every single time they've found those, identify them, it's been in, in insignificant things, uh, you know, where a period looks more like a comma, or things like that, uh, of that sort, where it has zero impact on the text, on what it's saying. Like one of the other common um, arguments I hear in this, this concept of contradictions or um, inaccuracies is we have an example where you say, well, this guy over here says this, and this guy over here says that. And it's like, and? They're both giving different perspectives. You know, if you have two people uh, part of the same event, you say, what did you think? What happened? They'll give different stories, not contradicting stories, but different stories. Because they've experienced different things. They've seen different things. They come in with their own set of, of, of experiences and background that would say, okay, here's the things I'm going to look for. As you walk through the Gospels, you see uh, uh, Luke uh, goes into the, the specifics around the crucifixion more than any of the other uh, Gospel writers. And we see, well, Luke was a physician. He understood the pain. He understood the torture. He understood what was happening as best as anyone could without going through a death on the cross. And he wants us to see that in his gospel, to know what our Savior did for us. And so when we see some of these differences, it's not contradictions. It's additional info on a greater story because there's multiple authors on some of these stories. See, even when we come down to uh, the person of Jesus, which is what Scripture points us to, 
Everything in Scripture points us to the person of Jesus. And who do we say that he is? And so I, I don't simply say I believe Jesus is God because that's what the Bible says. The Bible is God's word that reveals uh, uh, basically the truth of what's happened. And we see these stories of people like uh, Peter, James, and John, and the other 12 disciples, and the life that they lived, and the death that they were willing to receive by claiming that we believe Jesus rose from the grave. And we see a testimony, an account of, of people who witnessed the risen Lord, who witnessed the miracles of Jesus, who witnessed Jesus do things that only God can do. And then we look at the life of Jesus, if we can come to a place where we say, Jesus, I'm with you. I believe you are Lord and Savior. I believe that you are God. But I struggle, maybe I struggle with some of the, the Old Testament. And we see Jesus teaches from the Old Testament. He supports the Old Testament. He doesn't say, no, we, we, it's all wrong, we can throw that out. And so if anything, if you come to a challenging part of Scripture, say, I'm not sure, I, this seems, you know, I don't understand it, or this seems crazy, you know, one of the things that you know, we might cover in the weeks ahead is, is Balaam and his talking, talking donkey. Did, did a donkey really talk to a guy? Well, I know Jesus is God and I'm with him and he supports the Old Testament. So if that's what he's teaching, okay, let's entertain this thought. Let, let, let's, let's wrestle with that. So if you struggle with, with uh, uh, the Bible, I encourage you just to keep in that process. Don't just sit in that place and say, oh, I, I just I, and throw it out. But really wrestle with that and investigate some of that. This is, is a accurate book of, of history and this is the word of god living and active and so as we read about what god's already done you know, i have to imagine that one of the things that would have come to mind if not in that moment with gabriel the angel but probably at some point in, in the, the the days past mary would have thought about abraham and sarah because here here you have okay so I, i'm gonna have this child that's gonna come you know i'm gonna conceive this child through the holy spirit uh, uh, my, my relative elizabeth she's pregnant all these people who are barren and, and, and older are getting pregnant or, or this young woman who hasn't had sex is getting pregnant all these you know probably thought back on Abraham and Sarah. Where at the age of, of 75, as we see in Genesis chapter 12, the birth of Isaac is foretold to Abraham. Abraham is one of the forefathers uh, of um, Israel, the people of God, uh, the founding father. And God makes a promise, I'll create a nation through you. He was 75 when that happened. I don't have any kids. How can you make a nation through me? I'll, I'll, I will give you offspring, and they'll be as numerous as, as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. And we can fast forward to Genesis 18, 14. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham. He says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Abraham was 99 at that time, which means if you do the math and jump to Genesis 21, Isaac, when he was born, Abraham was 100 years old. So I think Mary would have thought of what God had already done. Wow. Here, a man who's 100 years old, and I think, if I remember right, I think his wife was about 90, in her 90s, and God gives him a son, even at that point of their life. Remember what God had done could have helped Mary come to her reply if we go to verse 38, one, one past where we've been. Luke 1, 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be so. Let it be so, Mary says. Because see, Mary believes that God will make the impossible possible. 
See, here's another verse. Mary wouldn't have had this. This is from the New Testament, but we have it here today. Uh, and so I think it's worth a look real quick. Um, Romans 4, 20 through 21. This is speaking about Abraham. It says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. See, Abraham gave God glory for what God had done and what God was doing in his life. This is a man who had to wait 25 years to see the promise that God gave him fulfilled and just begin that process of being fulfilled in the birth of his son. And then the story continues uh, uh, in Abraham's life. This strength, uh, this strength in his faith as he gave God glory for what he had done, as he remembered what God had already accomplished, he became fully convinced that God was able to do what he said he would do. So are you familiar with what God has already done in history? Are you familiar with some of these stories of old? Like I said, in the weeks ahead, we're going to hit on some of them. Um, but I'd encourage you to dig into God's word and, and let's see what he's done. And as we see his faithfulness with people who've come before us, we can know that God is a faithful God who will do what he says he will do. Do you acknowledge what God has already done in your life? Do you think about those, those things that, you know, you ever one of those stories where they start with, you know, man, I, I should have been dead or I should have been seriously injured. But let me share this story which just God rescued, you know, me or God uh, caused me to, you know, just avoid some significant challenges. What stands in the way of your belief that God can and will do what he says? What stands in the way of coming to that place to say, yeah, I believe God can do what he says he'll do? What, what does God say about the impossibility in your life that you desire to be possible? Like specifically, have you, have you investigated in Scripture what, what God would say to that? Well, say so I think a next step here, we begin with remember what God had already done. And next step, like Abraham, uh, Mary believed God. And, and this belief moves to action. And I think we see that already in Mary's response. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, I'm game. Let's do this. If you say that's what's going to happen, I'm believing God, let's take action. And we know how the story plays out, and she's faithful in, in uh, her steps of being the mother of Jesus. Uh, but I, I really want to give you a visual understanding of belief moving us to action. So, so I need a volunteer. Don't worry, it's a real easy job. Just got to come up on stage real quick. Any volunteers? All right, come on, Mike. Pardon? No, no, son, and two. Gra grab this chair with you, too. Push, all right, Trisha, come up. That's fine. Okay, so we need this chair. Come on up, Mike. Stand on the chair. All right, so now I'm going to push you off the chair, okay? Okay, well, I'll, I'll take the chair. How about that? I'm going to take the chair. No matter what, with you on it or not, I'm taking the chair, okay? Now, do you think Mike believes me? I think Mike's not sure what to believe right now. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing on stage. Now, if Mike did believe me, what would you do? If you truly believed I was going to take that chair no matter what, what would you do? I'd get off. All right, you get off. What would you do? You can get off. That's fine. Thank you. That's it? Yeah, that, that's all I need you to do. But I, I need that visual reminder of, of okay, so if, someone, if I say, I'm going to take that chair out from under him, what's he going to do? He's going to get off. Maybe someone else would have said, I'm, I'm going to firm my ground. You're not taking this chair. I just met this chair like two seconds ago, but this is my chair. You're not taking my chair. If we truly believe something's going to happen, it's going to move us to action. Uh, I had a, a gentleman who, who was uh, chatting about God with me in my life when I was a, a real young 
Um, I was in high school, and I was young in my faith, and he kind of grabbed something. We were in his work truck, and he said, Steve, pretend this was a live grenade. And you generally believe this was a live grenade, and I pulled the pin and tossed it over to you. What are you going to do? You're going to act. You're going to do something. You're going you're to make some action. So I think belief moves us to a place of action. The action of belief is surrender. The action of belief is surrender when it comes to trusting God. See, Mary's surrender was not without risk in this world. When she says, God, let it be so. That wasn't an easy, okay, God's going to do the impossible in my life. This is awesome, way cool. You know, there was risk in agreeing to go God's way. She didn't know if Joseph would stay with her. That part hadn't come to fruition yet. And if Joseph would have left her in that culture, she would have had no support. She would have been a single mom who wouldn't have, many, wouldn't have had many rights in that culture. And would have had a hard life ahead of her. Yet she says, God, I believe you. I will surrender my will. I will surrender my life to you. I'm sure she faced rejection. I'm sure she faced scorn and a fear of helplessness. See, surrendering to God is not easy, but it's worth it. As we think about this heart of belief moving us to action and the action of belief being a heart of surrender, I think many times this action of belief of surrendering is to take steps forward in life faithfully waiting on God. Faithfully waiting on God. Mary didn't have a son after Gabriel left. She, was, she conceived a son. So there's a nine-month process in here. There's a trip to Bethlehem, and then she had a son. Then she, I mean, this was a process. There were days where she had to say, okay, God said he's going to do this. It hasn't happened yet, or maybe it hasn't fully happened yet. And she had to wait. Abraham, very talked about this, he had to wait 25 years. He even had some missteps in there. Some mornings he woke up and said, I believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do, but he hasn't done it yet, so I better, I better do something about it. So instead of waiting faithfully in the Lord, I'm going to go do something about it. And, and you know, okay, so I'll try to have a son with my, with my maidservant. And he has Ishmael. And God's like, you and Sarah are going to have a son, and we're going to make a nation out of it. Oh, okay. I thought that's what I was doing with my, my maidservant. No. I can and will do what I say I will do. God's response to Abraham would be. Maybe something that's feeling impossible in your life right now is just a... Uh, what feels like an unanswered prayer. But I, I would make the argument that most of the prayers in our life that feel unanswered, um, it's not that they're unanswered. It's just we didn't get the answer we wanted. Think about it. It's just that we didn't get the answer we wanted. God either said no, and we wanted yes, or God said wait, but we want it now. So will we wait upon the Lord? Will we be faithful and trust that God can and will do what he says he will do, even if it's not in our timing, even if it's not in the way we want to see it happen? So when it comes to taking action, we must first know what God has said about what it is that we feel is impossible. So I'll kind of give you a few steps here. If God's already spoken on something and given a clear next step, there's your action. Okay, so if God has already spoken on, on an issue, a topic in your life, and there's a clear next step, there's your action. Let me give you some examples of this. Maybe you have a broken relationship, and that's what comes to mind when you talk about the impossible things. Oh, that, that, that can never be repaired. Well, God, what do you want me to do about this? This, this, this isn't possible with you. you know, this is, this is a, a, a distraught, broken down relationship. 
But remember, no, with God, all things are possible. And then we, we start to flip through the scriptures and, and talk to other Christians about, so what does God say about broken relationships? We begin to understand God's heart of forgiveness. We begin to understand God's heart of mercy and grace. We begin to see, oh, well, I have some next steps I can take. God's already spoken on this. So do I believe him? God's already said I'm taking the chair. So am I going to take action? So if there's something that God has already spoken on and given us a clear step, that's our action. If there's something that God has already spoken on but not given a clear step, then, the clear, then clearly the next step is to wait. If God's already spoken on something but not already spoken specifically to it, the next step is to wait. What do, I, what, do I, what do I mean by that? Well, God had spoken to Abraham, I will make you into a nation. But for 25 years, nothing happened. So what was his next step? It was to wait. So maybe there's something in your life that you feel is impossible. God, this will never happen. But God's already spoken and he's just saying, just wait. Just wait. If it's something that God has not yet uh, spoken about specifically, I would encourage you to seek his voice through his word, through his people, and through his spirit, through prayer. And to seek the heart of God. I want to leave you with this here from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. And it gets to this point um, in uh, verse 31, which says, but those who hope in the Lord, if we go back, look at the word that it translates to hope, um, it, it could also be said, but those who, who wait in the Lord. Um, but it has this, this heart of, of uh, expectantly waiting, this, this hopefulness in God. So let me just leave you with this. Isaiah 40, 28, 31. As we think about the impossible things in our life, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let us pray. Father God, you are just an amazing God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done, Father. We thank you that we have uh, a collection uh, of stories of, of things that you've done in the lives of your people. We thank you that we uh, have your word, Father. That, it's, that it is living and active, that we can uh, turn to it and see uh, the different things in our lives that we're, we're unsure of what to do or we feel like will never come to fruition, or that we feel like is, is an impossibility. We can go to your word and see what you say on that, Father God. I pray in the weeks ahead that you would reveal yourself to us through your word. I pray you'd reveal yourself to us uh, through conversation with other followers of Jesus. Pray you reveal yourself to us as, as we go to you in prayer, that you would speak to us through your word and through others.